Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And the title of this is really Listen Part 2, or you know, How to Sharpen Your Listening and Discernment. How to Sharpen Your Listening and Discernment. Last week, I shared a message out of Matthew 17 that laid a very broad framework for listening and discerning. And as I said, this is one of the most important areas for any leader, uh, any Christian, but especially for us in leadership, because when we uh, listen poorly or incorrectly, uh, the impact and the ripple effect is just large. And in that text in Matthew 17, we observed Peter, uh, who was just not listening. Uh, he was uh, he had a plan. Once he saw the, the glory of Jesus up there with Elijah and Moses on the mountaintop, and so he gives Jesus advice. He makes a plan. He attempts to do really a, a right thing for Jesus, by, at least by his own ideas, but he's way off. Uh, and uh, he's not in charge uh, about God's kingdom and the pace of how it's going to unfold. And uh, and so instead of waiting and listening, uh, he's out there making plans. And so God the Father rebukes him uh, and says basically to him, listen to Jesus. And I just love that. It's uh, listen to him, because listening to Jesus is more important than anything else we do as leaders, any program, any project, anything that we're involved in. And really, leadership can rightly be said, it's not first doing things for Jesus, it's first listening to Jesus speak, and then we do uh, what he says. So uh, what I want to do is I want to deepen this and sharpen it for you uh, out of my own you know, history here. My, my first 17 years as a, as a leader, as a Christ follower, uh, I primarily listen to Jesus from the outside. I'm referring to, of course, scripture, uh, which I still listen to scripture, of course, you know, circumstances, wise counsel, you know, prophetic words. But the move, uh, I would say, uh, a major move that slowly happened over the years was listening to the Holy Spirit inside of me uh, through consolations, desolations, uh, large and small decisions of life. And, uh, you know, my life became one of listening to Jesus. And and actually led me into some of the riches of Ignatian spirituality, which I'll talk to you about in just a few moments. So let me begin in launching this out by, by telling you a story, a true story of a, uh, a friend of mine for many years that called me as he was facing a decision. Uh, and he was pastoring a church at the time. And the question was, do I stay at my church uh, or do I accept this invitation given to me by his denomination to take a large uh, role within the a whole movement of churches? And uh, he was struggling with what, which, which might it be. And uh, so I shared with him uh, something, a tool that I've used over the year, years that I learned gosh, a long time ago from David Benner. Uh, and it was his application of some of the insights of Ignatian spirituality. And so here's what I said to him. I said, all right, listen, so assuming, first of all, you're praying, which he was doing, you know, you're surrendered to God's will, whatever it may be, which he was, uh, your spouse is involved in the process because you are one flesh, you want to be hearing together. And so I said basically this, all right, so you want to make a list of pros and cons uh, of each, each position, whether you stay at your church uh, or you take the other post with the denomination and do your research, ask your questions, uh, you know, give yourself time to do this. And in his case, it was going to take, you know, weeks, maybe a month or two. Uh, folks who've done the job, the denominational role he's going to be in, what's going to be involved with his kids, uh, his sense, you know, his community, et cetera, financially, et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. So make your list of pros and cons. And then I said, okay, after you've done that, uh, both you and your spouse, uh, imagine you take choice one, let's say you stay at your church. And 
just live into that as if you've already decided, okay, we're choosing to stay at the church and live into that for maybe three, four, five weeks. Again, the time depending on the gravity uh, of the decision. In his case was going to be, I think it was you know, four to five weeks and have your spouse do it as well. And we want to be listening to the movements of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Uh, during that time, and, if it, and so you know, you're journaling, you're 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 sensing what's going on inside of your body in this uh, consolations, desolations, which I'll explain in just a few moments. And then, after you've done three, four, five weeks, then move to the second choice. Imagine you take that choice and you take the denominational post, uh, and you you know step down from your church, and you're in that position. And so, take again three, four, five weeks. Listen to the Holy Spirit inside of you, the movements of the Spirit of God. Uh, what are your consolations, desolations, you know, journal at. And uh, then surrender both of these to God. And uh, out of that will come, uh, by God's grace, some, some wisdom. Now, I've done this multiple times. It's worked quite well for me, and I know others have as well. It's just, it was good, and, you know, basically, and, uh, he came to a very clear decision uh, after that process and is quite glad he did uh, and, and feeling great about it. Now, there's two primary points about this that are significant in, in the shift, and, and it really has to do with the Holy Spirit, you know, in, in John 14, it says the Holy Spirit will be with us. He's in partnership with us. He's called the paraclete. He's a friend whispering in our ear. But then Jesus also makes the point that he's inside of us. It was one of the revolutionary moments of, you know, God's revelation in history that uh, now the Holy Spirit dwells in human beings like you and human beings like me, sinners. But because that he's taken away sin as a lamb of God, he can actually live inside of us. And that was a distinction Christ wanted to bring out that the God of the universe has made his home in us, not just temporarily, not just for a select few like kings and priests and prophets, but that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have moved in to stay. That's Pentecost. That's the revolution, uh, revolutionary truth. And so out of that, while we, we don't trust all our feelings completely by any means, uh, they, they must be discerned and judged. Uh, but there is something called consolations and desolations. And again, this was developed by Ignatius of Loyola. No one's come near him in the kind of work that's been done in discerning God's will uh, in our consolations and desolations, in our feelings. And now Ignatius was one, to do this, you have to be one, of course, you're surrendered to Scripture, uh, under Scripture. Secondly, you're, you're surrendered to the will of God. You're willing to do whatever God wants. Uh, you don't come in with a preconceived agenda. And then he taught a process called discerning your consolations and desolations. So consolations are, as you're listening, are the name given to those feelings that come as, a, as gifts of God's presence to you. So a sense of peace descends upon you, a sense of joy, love, delight. There's life flowing in you. You're, you're, he talked about your souls inflamed with the love of God and your, your souls lighting up and you're coming alive and, and in the presence of God and, and, and you can sense you're, you're paying attention to what's happening in your body as well as your emotions. And in fact, for some of us, we experience uh, first our feelings in our bodies before our even emotions. And uh, I'm talking about a relaxed sense of relaxation or lack of anxiety is gone, a renewed energy, a sense of peace, uh, and we're experiencing consolation. That's often, not always, but often a good indication that we're in line with God's will. Uh, and then we also want to be listening for desolations, and, and those that's the name given to those feelings when we're moving away from God. It's its a darkness of the soul, turmoil within, a disquiet, a, we become more preoccupied, more negative, more anxious, perhaps a mild depression, irritable. It's a downward spiral of death. He called it spiritual turbulence. 
kind of all churned up inside. And again, we listen to our bodies. Our energy is sapped. We feel a tightness. Our stomach tightens. And it's so interesting how our bodies seem to know almost instinctively when we're not using our gifts or, or we're making poor choices or we're going in a direction that's contrary to God's desire for us. And very often our bodies hear better and sooner than even our, our minds. And so in Eddie's case, he was able to call me a couple of months later, very clear on, on his decision, on, his, on, on God's will for him. Uh, and of course, his wife had the same sense as well. And so the question of whether, whether I have to start my own business, do I start my own business? Do I end this you know, long-term relationship? Whenever there's a choice of one or two options, it's a great little tool to use. Uh, and I recommend it to you. But let me add four things that I, I put around uh, discernment that have been very helpful to me in, in sharpening listening and discernment over the years in my own journey. So I'm assuming as I go into these four items that you, you already have some rhythms in your life of positioning yourself with God uh, on a daily, weekly basis. I'm talking about scripture, some silence and stillness, Sabbath, uh, you, you, I see spiritual practices uh, as as positioning ourselves before God. We don't transform ourselves; God transforms us. But we position ourselves before Him uh, with some core practices and rhythms to keep us anchored in Him, uh, so we hear His voice, so so we follow Him. But when you're seeking to sharpen your listening, or you're facing some key decisions, more time is needed. So you can hear God's invitations and receive his gifts for you that are that are coming at that season. So here's four items that I would invite you uh, to include to sharpen your discernment. Number one is this, uh, silence. I mean, in other words, respond to God's invitations to silence. I'm referring to perhaps larger chunks of time that you may need to be still and silent before the Lord and you know, get rid of some of those distractions, have them dissipate before you. Now, in my case, I, 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 when I'm in a major discerning time, I need larger chunks of time with God, not less, even though I have generally more anxiety at that season, that it may be an additional day alone with God, or uh, maybe it's going to be a, a couple of days alone with God. But I, I, I need greater silence because my will and God's will get mixed up real quick. Uh, I mean, it gets mixed up on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, uh, but uh, especially on some large decisions. And I, I don't, I don't trust myself by any means. So, like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. And the the ability to get in a place of detachment uh, from any outcome. In other words, that I'm actually surrendered. Uh, I think I like the scale of zero to ten. That if ten, 10 is total detachment, in other words, God, I'll go, I'll do whatever, whatever you want. Go wherever you want to go. I want to be in that nine or ten as much as possible. Versus, you know, I come to God and I say, God, which you know, what do you want me to do? But actually, I'm I'm already a three or four. I'm like, I want to go this direction. And uh, I, in terms of motivations and sorting all that, I'm not really sorted out. But I, I just know I want to. This is what I want. And I just need time to get alone in silence so I can so I can get detached from particular outcomes. At the same time, I'm often, I'm often meditating on and seeking to be sensitive to. Perhaps large chunks of scripture God's calling me to meditate on, uh, whole books of scripture, or actually even just small texts uh, where God's coming to me. Uh, again, when I'm in a, in a significant discerning process, I just can't do as much. In other words, I, I'm da- I know I'm dangerous when I'm too active when I'm in a significant discerning process. 
And so on a daily basis, I, I, have, I have, again, certain rhythms of, of silence in the mornings, a significant chunk of silence, 20, 30 minutes. And then I've got silence chunks during day, small ones. Um, but I need longer periods uh, when I'm significantly, significantly making a decision for, for God. Now, listen, the question you want to ask yourself uh, is, are, are you getting what you need? In this season. Now, listen, I'm not trying to lay guilt on you. I don't want you to compare yourself to anybody else, definitely not to me, but anybody. You want to respond to the Holy Spirit inside of you and his invitation to you in this season. Remember, there's no one like you on earth. You're unrepeatable. Uh, and the question is, what do you need right now uh, in your particular circumstance and situation? And uh, it may be a few minutes, it may be a few hours, it may be days, whatever it is, you want to respond to God and seek to move slowly into that. But then secondly, it's not just silence. The second is is feeling, and that is listening to God in your feelings. Now, again, no one in, history, in the history of the church has been more helpful in discerning God's will in our lives than Ignatius of Loyola, you know, 450 years ago, the founder of the Jesuits. And it's endured for these 450 years because uh, it, it's a balance of feelings and intellect. And and the important place of our inner gut or our emotions in sorting out you know, what's God's will as raw material. And so, again, he's, he's always assuming if you, you know, I want to do God's will, you're open to whatever God wants, you're praying, uh, and you're growing in your experience of knowing God. And, and you can say, yes, I want to do God's will, whatever it is. His key verse was 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we want to be testing the spirits. And, and, and this is what's led us over the years uh, in emotional health and discipleship to the, the integration of emotional health and a slowdown spirituality. Uh, because we've got to, people have to be able to feel what's going on inside of them to even discern God's will. And if you're out of touch with your feelings, you actually then end up missing some of God's uh, clear communications coming to you. And so one of the skills we developed was called the emotionally healthy iceberg. Uh, it's one of the eight skills of the emotionally healthy relationships course, which is part two of the emotionally healthy discipleship course. Uh, and it's a foundational skill uh, to learn to feel, but most importantly, to discern God in our feelings. And so this is just a quick side, little digression here. I, I was not a feeler uh, at least I would have identified myself as definitely not a feeler. I, could, I, pr I prided myself on being solid and steady and not emotional like others. And uh, so when I became a Christian, uh, you know, it was faith, faith, fact, faith, and feelings. Feelings was last. And so I basically picked up, the feel, picked up the message or theology that, you know, loving people are never angry or sad or afraid. Just they're nice and, and happy. Uh, and rejoicing in God all the time. And so uh, when I was angry, I felt guilty, and I overemphasized joy and gladness. And I sure didn't understand scripture uh, that taught that feelings are a key part of what it means to be a human being made in the image of God. And we see in scripture God expressing a whole range of emotions. God feels, we feel. Uh, we see David, a man after God's own heart, expressing a full range of emotions from suicide to depression to dancing to confusion. We see Job in 35 chapters of anguish, you know, and, and suicidal and angry and depressed. We see Jeremiah, a man of sorrows, a whole book called Lamentations. And, and most importantly, we, Jesus, we see him filled with joy, overwhelmed with grief, shedding tears, angry, sorrowful, filled with compassion. 
he was not emotionally frozen or shut down. And for whatever reasons, in the early years, I was just emotionally shut down uh, as a pastor, as a leader. And what I didn't realize was, was, was a few major truths about emotions. One is that unprocessed emotions don't die, they just get buried alive. And then they, they, they come out. Uh, you know, you've heard expressions like, it worried me sick or it broke my heart. It's a pain in the neck. Uh, you know, God made emotions to be paid attention to before him. Uh, and they often come out in our bodies, in insomnia and high blood pressure and panic attacks and uh, irritable bowel syndromes and anxiety and cancers, weight gain, depression. And then they end up leaking out in things like sarcasm and defensiveness and tears and all these other things. And But emotions are like an internal GPS system that God gave us to, to guide us, that we're to pay attention to them. But then also it helps create healthy community because... You know, how can I enter your pain if I don't know my own, your own, how can I enter your sadness or hurt or fear if I don't even know my own? Uh, and it's safe to say that the extent to which I'm able to experience my own emotions is the extent to which I'm a, a loving person. And I can't really share with you who I am if I don't know who I am. And, and then finally, most importantly, emotions help us, feelings help us discern God's will. And again, we don't follow our feelings, we follow Jesus, but we acknowledge them as a part and a significant part of the way that God communicates to us. And so the question you want to ask yourself as we're feeling, whether it's anger or sadness, how are you coming to me, Lord? Uh, so if you may find yourself dreading uh, going into a certain meeting, and you got to ask yourself, why? You know, God, how are you coming to me? And you know, your delights and your joys, you know, God, how are you coming to me through that? And I think of my own wife's, Jerry's love for nature and the outdoors. It's, and, and, and that has, has, has been a major factor uh, for her, and, and but also for us as a couple, as we think through vacations and Sabbaths and et cetera. And for me, reading and study and beauty, art, and again, these are God coming to me. And when we fail to pay attention to our joys and delights, we often miss some of God's desires for us. And so we need time to pay attention to our feelings and, you know, what are you mad about? And what are you sad about? And what are you anxious about? What, what are you glad about? And uh, it's not just one of the skills uh, in the discipleship course, it's actually, uh, I mean, for, uh, for for years I started doing it in my own time alone with God and journaling because I was so bad at feeling, becoming aware of my emotional world and listening, God, where are you coming in that? It's quite transformative to us, to me, uh, and, uh, and many others as well. And so, okay, you've got silence, you've got this issue of taking the time, again, carving out the time to actually let yourself feel. Again, something like anger, very often behind anger is, is sadness and fear. So I need time to actually get beneath that um, as I offer it up to God. Then there's a third uh, uh, key factor in, in growing a discernment. It's, it's the place of, of mature community, or, or like seeking wise counsel in mature community. Let me tell you a story. This comes from John Cassian, uh, 4th century uh, author, and he writes about uh, in the early Desert Fathers, there was a fellow named Hero, and uh, he refused. He was living in the desert along with other, you know, monks and hermits, but he refused to eat with other people. And uh, they would gather, monks would gather in a community to, to, to help them, you know, stay anchored. And he wouldn't gather for Sabbaths or the Lord's Supper. And, and he felt that he could discern God and meet with God without other people. He didn't need to consult with other people. And so at one point, he discerned in his own inner person that God wanted him to jump into a deep well, uh, uh, an empty well, as a test of his faithfulness. And so he does. And he 
is he ends up getting pulled out half dead. And they, you know, they're trying to revive him and talk to him before he dies. And he still is convinced. I heard the voice of God, and he closes his eyes and, his, and he dies. And again, that verse, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, what he did not uh, respect was the need for uh, mature community, wise counsel, uh, versus just me and Jesus. And, and so we need, each of us needs, you know, a some wise other people, and whether it's a spiritual director, whether it's uh, some companions that are mature with you in, in the journey, uh, mentors, uh, therapists, uh, you name it. I, I think of Solomon's son, after he took the kingdom, uh, got bad counsel and uh, split the kingdom of Israel in two. Uh, I think of the Quakers who have a, a clearness committee to help us. To, they're great. And I actually participated in a clearness committee once. It actually was in the middle of a circle. And the goal of a, a Quaker clearness committee is to help you discern what the Holy Spirit's saying inside of you. Uh, not to tell you what God's saying, but to help you discern the Spirit's voice by asking you open-ended questions. Uh, and it's quite a process to, have a, to, get, to get prepared to participate in a clearness committee uh, as you ask questions so that your own self-will doesn't get involved. Because, again, our, our capacity for self-deception is so great. And so we need that. We all need some mature community around us. And I, when, I'm, when I'm making a large decision, I, I've got an, a number of people around me I, and uh, that I'll go to for counsel. And each will bring, you know, a piece perhaps as I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. But then within the context of mature community, I, I want to make this mention of, of the place of authority over us. Uh, you know, most of you listening to my voice, you're, you're part of a— church or a community uh, where there's an authority structure. There's a board, there's a, um, of deacons, a board of elders, uh, but they have uh, authority. And I, what's interesting to me is I meet people coming to me about wise counsel. I'll ask them, I'll tell them what your, what's your board's take on this issue, you know? And, and they respond to me as if they see the board as the enemy and uh, versus a gift from God uh, of restraint. And so I'm not saying they are God. I mean, Benedictine spirituality, where you, you, know, you, you, you treat the abbot as Christ himself, and I think there is a truth in that. Uh, I wouldn't go quite that far as the early shepherding movement did decades ago, where they are God speaking to you. However, uh, boards and those in authority over you, supervisors, are uh, God's gift to you, and God is coming to them uh coming to you through them. And I just say in my own life, I can't tell you how many times, and I, you know, I, I consider the board, I got placed under that leadership and, you know, they're helping discern God uh, for me, for our, our movement, our church. And just recently, even within emotionally, the discipleship was so fascinating that, and um, we'd come to the board with some priorities for the year. And the board unanimously said, we think you got this, we think you have this upside down your priorities. And um, Pete, actually, your writing and developing content is is first in this season, uh, not last. Not It's not a byproduct. Uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful gift uh, to us. And uh, we just knew it was God com- coming to us. And uh, But I hope you have one or two people who perhaps are in authority over you, maybe board members, supervisors, that they love you enough and they're mature enough that they can tell you some hard things that you prefer not to hear, but they can say it with kindness. Uh, and uh, I, I had a particular elder for years that was able to do that for me. And 
I can't tell you what a gift it was. Uh, and even now, I feel that way with my, my present board at EH Discipleship. And I'm actually under two boards, New Life Fellowships and EH Discipleship, and it's been fantastic. And, and so, again, the reason we need mature communities is because sometimes our desolation uh, is complicated, and it can be a nudge to a better choice. So think of the story of Paul in Second Corinthians 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Paul says this, when I went, Now I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found the Lord had opened a door for me. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. So here's an interesting state here. Paul gets to the city of Troas. The doors open and they preach the gospel. But for whatever reason, he has a limit inside of him, a limit that he's alone. He was, he, he was, he was alone. Titus was not with him. And he, he was able to embrace his limit of, I, I, I'm not going to do this alone. I don't have the ability to do it alone. But whatever reason, he saw that uh, open door, but yet the desolation around being alone. And he doesn't go to trust. He ends up going to Macedonia. But God came to him. You see, he saw God coming to him in his limits. Uh, and sometimes God's nudging us in an awareness that something's not right for us, at least not right in the moment. And uh, I've had moments I'm, I'm writing something and I can feel it looks good, but something's not right. And, uh, you know, I, even, even, you know, we, we planted a number of churches early on in our ministry at New Life Fellowship Church. And I really had this kind of, I saw the vision, I could see it. Uh, but as we began to plant multiple churches and I found myself in this role as kind of like, you know, I don't know, apostle, I guess, I don't know, supervisor, uh, but it, it didn't, it wasn't me. And I, it was so interesting. And I, I, it took, I just, it was, and I, I, I was like, wow, I had the vision. It took me years to sort out like, oh, I'm not that kind of quote apostolic person. I'm, I'm ideas. I've got some visions, but in terms of structurally and all that, that that's not me. And I remember even, you know, I had a desolation about one time I was, I was pastoring New Life Fellowship. I had this incredible passion and desire to write, but I didn't have time to write. And I thought, oh, maybe I have to leave our local church. I want to be a writer. I want to write some, write some, you know. And But really, it was nudging me to a better choice of within the whole context of pastoring. And I remember going to our board about it and how to structure things so I could do some portion of my time to do some writing. And uh, it, was, it was great. Listen, I meet people like, that are, get really on fire for God. They're really into prayer. And they got all this consolation of fire for God and in Scripture. But uh, they end up in they end up pride, prideful, ignoring people, exclusive, uh, you know. And uh, that's, that's, they can't even see it. Or a person can actually disobey God. And I've met people like this. Uh, and they feel great about it. They feel freer and richer. Uh, but they are by no means. And... Uh, Sometimes you can be consoled by the devil and disturbed by God. And uh, the point is, consolation is not always God. And uh, Satan is a father of lies and mimics God's voice, and we must always discern. And so, yeah, your marriage may go in poorly, and you have desolation. It doesn't mean you have to get out of it, okay? Or your children are desolation to you. You don't get rid of your kids. But maybe there is some things that God wants to teach you about parenting. And maybe he wants to get you some help on you, on yourself. And remember, consolation and desolations has to do with our basic life direction. Am I moving towards God? God, your will be done. Or am I moving away from God's, away from God, where it's, you know. And uh, think of yourself as you, you want to be in a movement uh uh, when you, you know you're moving away from God, when you feel like you're, just, you're, you're going upstream, you know, you're, you're trying to swim upstream. But, but I like this image of them floating in the river of God's love downstream. All right, but there's one last thing. Silence, feelings, mature community. But this, I want to use the word time. Uh, time. 
uh, waiting on the Lord, not rushing. I've had two significant moments uh, uh, where I was making a large decision where, in a sense, everything lined up. And I was actually getting, there was actually a couple of people I respected, counsel wise, and, and um, I didn't sense it was, I, I just, something wasn't right. And, you know, and, and it's, it's so interesting. I, 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 now these folks were, you know, giving counsel. Uh, They're from outside our community. And it was, and again, great people. But, um, I, it, I just don't want you to wait time-wise. And uh, I, I think back now, if I had responded to my desolation, and actually my years of pastoring and left, um, I would have missed so much of what God had for me. And I'm not negating silence and feelings and mature community at all. It's just that prudence and patience, waiting on the Lord, uh, is so foundational. In fact, waiting on the Lord is going to be your life work. It's my life work eternally. God is not in a rush. I know you'd like to, to seal the deal and make a decision tomorrow, but God is just not in a rush. And, and uh, time and waiting is just an important component I want to just put in there for sharpening your discernment um, because probably the most common problem I observe uh, in others and in my own history is I've made a decision too quickly. And so you want to add that timing factor. So since so much of this podcast has been around integration, uh, I want to invite you to uh, take the assessment on uh, where you are emotionally. Are you an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? It's our personal assessment. It's free. It's on our website. Uh, I want to invite you to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. It's a 15 to 20 minute, actually 15 minutes. Take this short little uh, assessment and uh, get on this journey with us called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And, uh, and I bless you uh, today. Let me close with a verse from Psalm 32. Uh, the Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. But do not be like the horse or mule that have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and brittle or they will not come to you. So may the Lord bless you, and you can trust he's going to guide you with his loving eye upon you. And may God give you grace not to be like a mule, stubborn or horse, uh, but may you be open and tender and go wherever he wants you to go, and may you become all that he wants you to become. God bless you, everybody. You have a great day.